had a revival where we saw people coming in off the street. We had a revival where we saw uh, kids that didn't want to play baseball or they wanted to come to church rather than go to baseball. Can you believe that? Some of us need to begin to worship God like he really is God, like he really is in control of everything on the earth. God said, I'm looking for a house of intersection. I'm looking for a people that will pray like there's no tomorrow. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason revisits the prophetic history of Southside Christian Fellowship Church, as well as its four banner themes, including worship, intercession, the prophetic, and compassion, and how they continue to impact our lives today. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about something different. I've been talking about faith, and I'm not wanting to get away from faith, but all week long I'm asking the Lord one question. I'm saying, Lord, what do you really want me to share to start this year? And he said, I want you to share the prophetic history of the church. I said, you want me to do what? He said, I want you to begin to share the prophetic history of the church. Now, at the end of this, I'll share with you why it was so important that we share the prophetic history of the church. But I, but I think it's extremely important that we know where God laid the foundation in this church because it's from that foundation he wants us to go forward. Amen? If you'll go to the next slide, please. I read this and I want to ask you this question. Are you doing your part? You know, that's the real question. Are you doing your part? William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, read, said this, the chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, and politics without God, and heaven without hell. Can I take you to one more step for this? It'll be a powerless church that refuses to walk in faith. And so, for you to do your part, you have to walk in faith. Yes, yes. Amen. You can't do it any other way. You have to move in the power of what God's given you. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is my year. I'm going to do it God's way. Say it one more time. I'm going to do it God's way. Amen. We want to do it God's way. Let me tell you a little bit about the history of the church. We began as McDonough Covenant Fellowship. Actually, it was started as, I think, Living Word or something like that. And uh, it was changed to McDonough Covenant Fellowship. When I came on board, that was, that was what the name of the church was. And then later, uh, when we moved to the, the new building, we changed it to Southside Christian Fellowship Church. The church was started by... Neil Floyd in his living room and Pastor Don Pye. They originally started the church and they went from there to the American Legion Hall and from the American Legion Hall to the, to the old church on the square where we really got started. And it was at the church on the square that I came on board. My dad had already been there with Pastor Don and the Lord called me there and a good friend, close friend of mine, Pastor Ralph Martin. And so we had begun to work with, with Don and in the, in the length of time that I was with him, which was about four years, Don became very discouraged in the ministry. He got discouraged about pastoring. He'd been to Brazil several times. And in one of the meetings in Brazil, uh, he had an altar call. You couldn't come to the altar because the church was so full. The church would seat about 250 and we had about 500 people. 
in the church. And so he gave an altar call and he said, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just stand up right where you are. And so they stood up, basically the same call that Gene gave you this morning. They stood up. He prayed for the Holy Spirit to, fill, to fall. And over 200 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit all at one time. He just absolutely went nuts. Yeah, you can give God praise. He absolutely nuts. But he came home, and when he came home, he didn't see those same kind of outpourings, and he got very discouraged. And pastoring was not really what he wanted to do. He, he was an evangelist at heart, and he came to me and said, I'm, I'm retiring. I'm, I'm giving this up. And so he did. And after he gave it up, it, it, the, that same time, the elders of the church came to me, and, and, or I came to them, they asked me if I would accept the pastor of the church, and I said I would. And so when I began to accept the pastor of the church, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, what do you want to do, Lord? And he said, for the next 12 months, I don't want you to do anything but fellowship. I kind of thought that was strange. The Lord said, though, that the church had been wounded and it needed healing. And the body would heal itself if they enjoyed each other. And so for the next year, we didn't try to change a thing. We didn't do anything. We just, we just enjoyed each other. We had fellowships. We had we had mother-daughter dances. We had many things, as you can imagine. We just began to do those things together. And we began to love on each other, encourage each other, and strengthen each other in what he was doing. It was at that time that the Holy Spirit gave Pastor Ralph Martin the motto for the church, in this place you're loved, accepted, and received. And it's never changed. It's always been the same. Because that's what we wanted it to be, was a place where people were loved and accepted. Do what? I haven't finished. <laughs> I know. Listen, give her a break. This is her first time back in a long time. Everything's okay. <laughs> it's all cool. It's all, everything's good. Amen. And so, um, and so he gave us this, this idea of, of your love accepted and received. Now, my wife has got me totally discombobulated and, and messed up. Anyway, shortly after, uh, shortly after I came on, um, with, within that, probably that first year, we asked Joni to come on, and Joni came on board with us and, and uh, as the secretary. I told her when she came to work for me, I said, we don't do a whole lot around there, so you can bring a book and you can just sit there and read it. And that's been almost 20 or more than 20 years now. She hadn't gotten to read that first book yet. So, uh, but it was a good thing that we did. Uh, began to do what God wanted him to do. And so Joni came to be a part of what we were doing. And at that point in time, I didn't realize what was going to happen. But the Lord began to give us the idea that there were three spiritual strongholds over this county. And as far as I know, the spiritual strongholds have not yet been broken, and we've been at it for over 20 years. One of those spiritual strongholds, of course, is racism. We know that there is still racism in this county. It, there's no doubt about it. We, we see it, we feel it, we understand it. And so God says you've got to break through in the, in the area of racism. The second one that's in no doubt there is a, a stronghold, is there a stronghold in, in uh, the idea of male-female? Females just don't have much authority or power. They have more than they used to have, but they are still not recognized. The Lord told me at one point in time, he said, I want you to ask Joni to be the associate pastor of the church. At that point in time, there were very, very few female pastors anywhere and not very well recognized. And Joni will tell you that when we first started that, to break through that stereotype and to break through that whole thing, she got rejected more times than you can imagine. 
A lot of people don't understand the price she's paid to be where she is. Uh, I honor and respect her for what she's done. But you haven't been in the meetings that we've been in when we introduce her as a pastor and the men just go, oh. And you can tell there is no honor or respect from a pastor to a pastor. And can I tell you, that's still a lot of what happens today. Because there is this male-female thing that's got a stronghold, doesn't allow it. Well, Eddie, don't you know women shouldn't be pastors? Don't tell people that in China because there would be no church in China without women. And the church in China is the fastest growing church in the entire world. Okay? And then the third stronghold is the stronghold of religion. Okay? And so you've got three major spirits that are in operation. You've got the spirit of racism that's in operation. You've got the, the, the spirit of gender inequality in, in, uh, in existence. And you've got the religious spirit. And the religious spirit says this is the way we've always done it and this is the way we will continue to do it. The religious spirit says that the gifts of the spirit are not for today. They were for the days of the apostle. The religious spirit says that we have no tolerance for you at all. You got saved when you were sick in sin, but if you sin once you become a Christian, we no longer have place for you. That is religion. That is not God. Let me tell you again, that's not God. That is the spirit of religion. And so God began to give us these things and he said, I want you to begin to attack these things and I want to give you some weapons to begin to release, your, release the church and the community from those things. And so we began to do that and we began to move forward in, in some of the things that God had given us and we began to witness signs, wonders and miracles and we had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a major, major way. We had a revival where we saw people coming in off the street. We had a revival where we saw uh, kids that didn't want to play baseball. They wanted to come to church rather than go to baseball. Hey, can you believe that? I'm telling you the truth. Amen. Come on. Where's Mildred? Your, your sons were one of them. They, uh, we, want, we don't want to go to baseball. We want to come to church. Because God is more exciting than any sport that you can imagine. Amen. God is much more exciting than any sport that you can imagine. And so... Here, here, here he is, he's this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've seen those things take place and we've asked God to move in a greater way. And God said, I want to sustain things. And so he began to give us banner themes. How many of you know what a banner theme is? A banner is a foundational pillow within the church. And so when, when the, uh, the Lord began to give us a, a banner theme, he began to, to go with this idea of worship. That was the very first banner thing. You see, God began the Ten Commandments this way in Exodus 22 and 3. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other God before me. Whether you realize that or not, that's a command of worship. Had you, been, had you been around during the time of the commandments, you would have understood that you're going to worship something. People tell you they're atheists or agnostics. They are worshipers. Every one of us were created to worship, and we will worship something. We will worship, we will worship money. We will worship 
sex. We will worship uh, our bodies. We will worship something, but something inside of us we will absolutely worship because we were created to worship. And God said, I want you to know the only one worthy of worship is me. I am the only one worthy of worship. And so for two years, all I did was teach on worship. I got tickled. I told people, I said, you need to worship in your, in your bathroom. You need to worship in your bedroom. You need to worship in your kitchen. You need to dance and sing songs. I never will forget, I'm sitting in my office one day. I'd been preaching this for two years. And Angela DeMatisse came in. And Angela said to me, she said, Pastor Eddie, she said, I have found one of the most marvelous things you've ever seen. I said, what's that? She said, I started just dancing and rejoicing in my kitchen. And she said, the next thing I knew, my kitchen was shining. I had a smile on my face. I was excited about Jesus. She said, you ought to tell everybody to dance and worship in the kitchen. I said, me being me, I said, where'd you get that idea? She said, I heard it on the radio. <laughs> okay. All right. He wants us to worship, but he doesn't want us just to worship. He wants us to worship in faith. You see, we get worship confused with the adrenaline rush that comes with music. I, I'm, at, I'm at the Fox Theater. And we were carrying David and his girlfriend to see Phantom of the Opera. I'm up in, the, in kind of the balcony area, and this man begins to sing. And as he begins to sing, the goosebumps just begin to rise. I said, Holy Spirit, are you in that? Because that's the way I had learned to recognize the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I'm not. That's your emotions overwhelmed by the song. I said, is that okay? He said, yeah. But he said, what I want you to learn from this, son is that goosebumps don't always mean my presence. Neither does the fact that you're mad, angry, and frustrated hinder you from worshiping me. He said, I want you to be radical in your worship. And so we began to press into that area. We, we got flags introduced. Oh my goodness, the crap. Excuse me, the garbage. <laughs> that we received over flags. Oh. And so we got flags involved. As a matter of fact, we, got, we had rumors going around that, that Pastor Eddie believed if the flags didn't come out, the Holy Spirit wouldn't move. I'm serious, there were other churches that were saying that about it. So we had flags, and, and then we had dance. Wow. And the dance became more beautiful and more refined, and it became just glorious. And th then we had our kids dancing and rejoicing and worshiping little girls and little boys. They began to worship. 
I never will forget Leah Jenkins went to a Baptist church for a reunion. She got to the Baptist church and she's looking around and looking around and looking around and Jess and Joni are there with her and finally Joni looks in and says, Leah, what are you looking for? She said, I'm looking for the flags. <laughs> I've come to worship. They had to tell them, we don't have no flags in this church. Flags met with a lot of opposition. I want to tell you though, we've sent flags all over the world. Let me tell you that again. We have sent flags all over the world. And people worship with flags all over the world because one little church decided they wanted to, to worship with flags. We have children that walk around. Why? We want them to be radical in their worship. We want them to understand. They may grow out of it for a little while because they get to that cool stage. You know what the cool stage is, don't you? Mom and Daddy don't know anything, and we're not going to do anything to embarrass ourselves in front of anybody. I see some gr I see some grinners over there on the other side. I, I don't know. I'm not looking at y'all, I promise you. That's the cool stage. That's the cool stage when I can't have a flag. We had some men used to come here and they worship, but I guess they got too macho. I, I don't know what the deal was. And the worship kind of started going this way instead of going this way. I tell you that because God hadn't taken the banner away. God hadn't taken the banner away. God said, I'm looking for a church that will worship me in spirit and in truth, that are unashamed of me in worship, that will display my worship anywhere and everywhere they are. I want a people that understand what worship is about. Well, we went from flags and we went into the dance and then we got into the arts and we got into the spoken word and we got into dramas and man, all of a sudden, all of this stuff became alive. We had, you remember, we had colored pencils up here on the stage for the kids if they had anything prophetically. But worship began to, it doesn't have to be the same thing. Nobody says it has to be the same, but it has to be passionate. God hadn't changed his mind. So the banner of worship hangs high over this church. Let me read to you what Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, And he said to him, you shall, have, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. I, I, I go back to that because God's telling us, he's saying, I want you to understand how very, very important that worship is. Nothing happens until worship flows. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to see things going. We better learn how to worship God with everything that's within us. We need to worship him in the good times. We need to worship him in the bad times. We need to worship him when, when they're throwing rocks at us. We need to worship him no matter what's going on in our life. The Bible says when all of these things happen to you, count it all joy. He said rejoice in me for I am worthy, says the Lord. I am worthy to be praised. I am worthy to be rejoiced in. I like what he said. I like what you said about Kenneth Hagin. He just began to laugh at the devil. Some of us need to start laughing at the devil. Some of us need to begin to worship God like he really is God, like he really is in control of everything on the earth. We need some joy in our life. And God says, I want the joy to be there. And then right along with the worship, we moved right into intercession. 
We got involved with, with a house of prayer and Mike Bickle and intercession became part of our DNA and we did the, the harp and bowl. We did the harp and bowl for about nine years every Friday night. We prayed and we worshiped and we magnified God. Now prayer didn't stop. We did stop the harp and bowl, but prayer didn't stop and we've had a, we've had a prayer meeting continuously going on at least one to two days a week for over 20 years now. And so intercession then becomes the very heart of God. The Bible says, as he is, as who is? Jesus. As he is, so are we in the earth. Now I have a lot of people that read that and they say, as he was. That's not what the scripture said. That said, as he is, so are we. Well, what is he right now? He is the great intercessor. Amen. Oh, you missed it. Let me, let me tell you that. Intercessor means he's praying for you. You're constantly on his mind and he constantly keeps your name before the Father every minute, every second, every hour of every day. Your name is there because Jesus is an intercessor. He is the intercessor. And so he said, as he is, so are we in the earth. And so he's called us into intercession. But you first thing you gotta believe is that God is God and the second thing you gotta believe is that God answers prayer. We got shook to the very core of our being. Chloe died, we had prayed that she would live and she didn't and we got shaken in who we were and in our belief system and we allowed that to crack the foundation of our heart. It's all right if I tell you all the truth, isn't it? And we tried to patch that up and we tried to patch it up and we tried to inject a little extra semen in there and try to make things right. And God said, I don't want it. I want it ripped up, torn up, and I want a new foundation of faith laid. Turn to your neighbor and he said, he expects you to pray in faith. You know whether, whether prayer is important to you or not is do you pray? If you don't pray, it's not important. If you don't pray, you don't believe it works. If you don't pray, prayer is not a priority in your life. And it will never become a priority in your life until you make it a priority in your life. If you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to make prayer a priority, I would suggest you don't do that. Because in order for the Holy Spirit to make prayer a priority, he will have to loose all of hell upon you so that you have no options but to pray. And so I would rather voluntarily take on prayer than have to have the Holy Spirit bring me into prayer. Amen? Amen. So intercession then became the second banner and it became that thing that, that we had to grab hold of. In Revelation 5, 8, it said, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. He says in there, let me tell you what he says. He says when the prayers go up, he said the bowls get filled. When the bowls get filled, they are poured on the altar before God himself. 
He said when the intercession and the, and, and the, and the incense of intercession becomes before God, it's a sweet-smelling savor, and things begin to take place in the earth. And he says out of that, worship begins to flow. And out of that, worship evangelism begins to flow. And out of that evangelism, people of every tribe and every nation come to Jesus Christ. You don't think intercession is important? You've missed the mark. You've misunderstood what intercession is all about. And God says, grab hold of this. He goes on later and he says when those bowls get full enough, he said he's gonna combine them and they're gonna be with the, with the spirit and they're gonna be thrown on the earth and they're gonna be like charcoal. They're gonna be like, am- I mean not charcoal, but they'll be like ambers of fire. He said judgment. Now this is what's cool about this whole thing. They're saying No one is worthy to open the scroll. Have I just lost everybody? Does anybody know what was in the scroll? Turn to your neighbor and whisper. Judgment. Huh? God said, let there be nonstop heart cries for justice to flow in all the earth. If justice flows, judgment on evil, not evil people, but on evil will be released in the earth. Want to change what's happening in a nation? Become a people of prayer. Want to change what's happening in a nation? Become a people of intercession that understands how you begin to pray and not complain. I want to make a suggestion to you. You don't have to do it, but I'll just tell you what the Lord told me. He told me not to watch or read any more Fox News or any other news for the next 21 days. He told me to just quit reading the news. Why? because I want to intercede and I want to cry out for justice because it's when justice is poured out that people get saved. It's when justice is poured out that people get healed. You see, God's justice is different than man's justice. It's when justice is poured out that the blind begin to see. It's when justice is poured out that the leper is cleansed. It's when justice is poured out that all manner of evil has to take flight because God himself is present. God said, I'm looking for a house of intercession. I'm looking for a people that will pray like there's no tomorrow that will burn with this thing. I want those people. And he said, I want a prophetic house. Can I tell you, these four banners came almost simultaneously. We began to move in the prophetic. What did you say that in Acts 2.17 said, Jean? And in the last days, she didn't know she was quoting my sermon. <laughs> and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servant and my female servant in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. He said they'll prophesy. Just men will prophesy, right? Wait now. This is a male God right here. Oh, you mean he's not? You mean he's both male and female? Maybe you hadn't read the scriptures. Maybe you ought to go back and read the scriptures. He said your sons and your daughters 
will prophesy. He said they will prophesy. He didn't say they might prophesy. He said they will. He said I'll pour out on my spirit and they'll prophesy. In 1 Corinthians 14, 5, now I want, Paul says, now I want you all to speak in tongues. But even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. He said, I have given prophecy to build up the church, to encourage the church, to strengthen the church. When, when he come in and with prophecy is used right, it splits open the heart of man and it reveals the heart of God. And once the heart of God is revealed, I'm gonna tell you something, we have no choice but to fall on our knees because we know that the God of all creation is in love with us. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. Let me read you one more scripture. I, I don't wanna just keep you forever, but I will. No, I won't. Revelation 19.10. John said, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must do that. He's talking to an angel. Look what he says. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. <laughs> what is he saying? He's saying that prophecy will reveal the very heart of Jesus himself. That's why Paul said you need to prophesy because there needs to be a revelation of the heart of God. Well, is, is it extra biblical? No, it is not extra biblical. It either lines up with the Bible or it's false. It's just that simple. But God said I want my heart revealed and I will be, I will be personally specific to individuals if you will just be my mouthpiece and say what I say. Let's put on our holy faces and not move. Come on, people. If you're not going to get excited about Jesus and what Jesus is doing in the earth, you're not ever going to get excited. If you're not hungry for what God wants, let me tell you something. We had people that were hungry. They, they prophesied over rocks if they could. Prophesy over wood. I prophesied one night and it was so strong and so straightforward, I guarantee you I could have gone and laid hands on a telephone pole, told you what forest and what tree they cut it down from. You don't think God knows all that stuff? He does. He knows the inner workings of your heart. He knows the inner workings of my heart. And he knows what he wants to reveal to people through prophecy. And so he said, I want a people that will prophesy. I want a people that will take a step, a leap of faith, and go out there and risk being embarrassed. Fire. He said fire, not liar. Are you beginning to see the foundation of the church? Yes. Let's strip everything else off. The final one's compassion, and I'm going to preach more on that. But the final banner was compassion. We've been prophesied over time after time after time after time after time. We're a hospital. We bring people in, we heal them up, and we send them out. We bring them in, heal them up, send them out. We've done that over and over and over and over again. You see, the whole basis for, for everything that we do has to be compassion. If you're not moved with compassion, 
You can't do your part. You know, one of my favorite sayings comes from Pastor Ralph Martin. People always say, well, I just don't feel led. I like what he said. Go get you a number two pencil. <laughs> Sharpen it real good and feel led. <laughs> you don't have to feel led to do what the Bible tells you to do. Amen. You don't have to feel led to lay hands on the sick. You don't have to feel led to do the things that God has encouraged you to do. You don't have to feel led to understand that taking care of children is part of what the ministry of God is all about. You don't have to understand that taking care of the homeless is part of what the ministry of God is all about. You don't have to, you don't have to be feel led to do these things. All you got to do is do what God said to do. So I ask you again, are you doing your part? Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning. For service times, locations, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.